everyone. Welcome to the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Today is March 14th, 2022, and I'm Alicia Halliday, the Chief Science Officer. Today, I want to touch on two issues that continues to plague the autism research community. The first is gene environment interactions in the causes of ASD and prenatal exposure, and also how to use environmental manipulations and how to measure those behavioral modifications in mouse models after birth. Also, I do want to share a story about autism in the criminal justice system, but I'm saving that for the end because then you'll listen to the rest of it. So there are certain environmental factors we absolutely do know that do not lead to an increased probability of an autism diagnosis. The one that's been studied most in basic science, in fact, the single most funded and studied environmental factor in autism is vaccines. They've been studied up, down, sideways, backwards, and still there has been no association shown. But that doesn't mean that other environmental factors are not involved. Most people consider toxic chemicals as environmental factors, but it doesn't have to be limited to just toxic chemicals. There's diet, demographics, and interactions with the environment. And that even means the theory that autism cascades because the less social interaction sought out by the infant because of the autism, the less they receive, which may in fact exacerbate the features down the road. But let's talk toxins for a minute. While the question of vaccines has been asked and answered, that doesn't mean that other environmental factors don't contribute or even more importantly, work together with genetic factors in an autism diagnosis. In a paper published last year in Pediatrics, there were listed about seven papers in total, total, that examine the effects of gene by environment interactions in ASD. Now, this is a tricky subject. While science has moved forward in terms of genetic contributions to autism, thanks to the ability to map the human genome, the question is, how do you do the same thing with autism in mapping the human exposome? And this has implications for more than just autism, just like mapping the human genome had implications beyond just autism. Now, how do you study the effects of a single compound when you don't even know what other environmental exposures may be present or don't know how to record them and combine them? How do you integrate background genetic findings, incorporate demographics, gender, and environmental factors that people don't even know they're exposed to? It's a problem, and I wouldn't be harping on it so much if some of the environmental factors were not a problem, not just for autism, but for other health outcomes in kids. Let's talk about air pollution. Exposure to high levels of air pollution during pregnancy shows a moderate association with autism, but it also leads to things like diabetes and asthma. Some pesticides have been associated with intellectual disability and autism, and some of these pesticides should and can be eliminated. But there are several areas of research that need further investigation, not just to possibly ameliorate the severity of autism, but to protect child health. Now, this isn't just about autism. We need more research on epigenetics, which is the modifications of DNA that turn genes on and off. These things are modulated by environmental factors. And these environmental factors include everything from chemicals to diet to maternal stress. We also need a better way of screening for these chemicals and for monitoring how all environmental factors and how they interact with each other. We also desperately need to improve communication about what does and does not lead to an autism diagnosis. Speaking of animal models, I have a whole podcast in the future dedicated to this topic, but for now, I want to talk about the idea of environmental factors in animal models as an intervention. Now, 
it's not just enough for a specific behavior and a mouse model to kind of look like autism. Rodents don't have autism. The best science can do is to look at behaviors seen in different model systems and gauge them as a group. So if something is measuring cognition, it's measuring cognition. If it's measuring cognition, social interaction, and repetitive behaviors, it may model autism. We also need to begin the process for understanding how brain circuits are involved in that particular behavior to improve therapeutics and supports. Now, one of those supports that's received a lot of pushback is behavioral interventions. I'm not going to talk about ABA specifically, although that's the one that's gotten the most pushback, but any behavioral intervention that's meant to provide support through environmental factors. Now, these environmental factors are not toxins. They include things like parental or child input, supportive behaviors, and redirecting of behaviors like self-injury, as well as opportunities for learning and skill building. These are behavioral interventions. Crudely, they can be studied in animal models by training the rodents different skills or seeing if they can learn the skills over time. Other researchers have looked at the effects of something called environmental enrichment. Environmental enrichment is providing the animals in an environment that facilitates sensory, cognitive, and motor stimulation. For anyone that has a guinea pig or a hamster or a gerbil, you know you don't just throw them in an empty box. You had toys and swings and wood shavings, tunnels, climbing ladders, and running wheels. To look at whether or not these sorts of environmental enrichment improve behaviors associated with autism, scientists in China replicated other studies which looked at mice that had a mutation in what's known as the FMR1 gene. This mutation leads to something called Fragile X syndrome, which is one of the leading genetic causes of autism. Boys with Fragile X tend to, but don't always have, cognitive visibility. So why look at a genetic cause? Because this one has been validated. Over and over again, researchers have looked at this kind of mice, which scientists can actually purchase from a lab company, and have shown behaviors associated with ASD. These include social impairments, the presence of repetitive behaviors, motor problems, cognitive issues, and other features. As it turns out, providing these genetically modified mice with a more environmentally enriched environment starting on day 10 for like three hours a day, not even continuously, led to an improvement of anxiety, repetitive and stereotyped behavior, and cognitive impairment. And the amount of time exploring and interacting with the things in the cage was related to the repetitive and stereotyped behavior. So it seems that time spent interacting with the environment did in fact ameliorate some behaviors. What's missing here when I mention these different behaviors? It's social behavior. And since social communication behavior is a key factor in an autism diagnosis, can this be called an animal model of autism if it's missing social interaction? Well, let's save that for a different day because we have a lot to talk about. But in addition to a behavioral improvements, which are important, but so is mechanism. The researchers reported an increase in gene expression around dendritic and axon development, synaptic structure, function, and neuronal development, all important in autism, molecular and cellular processes. It increased synaptic plasticity or the ability of the cells to change their shape, their size, or their connections. Now, this environmental enrichment paradigm doesn't always affect every model system in the same way but it did in Fragile X, and it's biological evidence that behavioral interventions have a mechanism for their ef efficacy in model systems. Now we need more support for their use 
in real people, in real life situations, with real differences across the spectrum in terms of what works for who. Now, speaking of real people, getting stuck in the criminal justice system is a huge issue for real people with autism. I heard that the International Society for Autism Research is developing a policy brief about this topic. But in the meantime, I wanted to share a study out of the United Kingdom that documented this issue in the criminal justice system in the UK. I can't tell you how different it is from the United States, but based on the movie Broke Down Palace, it's probably different than, say, Thailand. Remember that movie? Anyway, this group in the UK looked at a retrospective review of about 1,500 adults with autism in the UK from 2003 to 2020 and counted how many had contact with the criminal justice system. They also had a comparison group from different clinical studies, not the general population as a comparison. Now, other studies have looked into the link between the interactions with the criminal justice system and being an offender of a crime if you are autistic. And the results are actually all over the place and it's not really conclusive. It may not be because of ASD per se, but because of co-occurring conditions, gender, and let's face it, race. Out of the 1,500 autistic adults, they identified contact with the criminal justice system through a self-report and tracked what they were accused of doing. Now, even if they were never charged with a crime, it was recorded as, as an interaction. And these are actual crimes, like not jaywalking or traffic tickets. They looked at things like violent offenses, theft, sex assault, property damage, arson, and stalking and harassment. As it turns out, autistic adults were less likely to have any contact with the criminal justice system, but it was still high, 23%, compared to over 30% in the clinical sample without an autism diagnosis. There were also differences, say lower rates of contact, for things like violent offenses, theft, and substance abuse arrests. Interestingly, those who had ADHD or anxiety disorders comorbidities were the ones that were at a much higher risk than those without those diagnoses or being female of being involved with the criminal justice system. And being male, they were four times more likely to be involved in a crime, not just four, four times likely to have autism, but four times more likely to be involved in a crime. There are obviously weaknesses with this study. They didn't look at comorbid intellectual disability and they did not look at race. It's possible that they didn't have enough black men in the study to make a distinction of that group. But being black, male, and autistic is, is a huge concern with autism families with an African-American background. This is a call to action. Well, what action? Stay tuned for that, and I'll share the recommendations of the policy brief once they're published. Thanks for listening this week, and talk to you soon.